I, I had really felt back in the end of December that the Holy Spirit had given me Isaiah 61 for this church, that these were some of the promises that God wanted to, to bring through the Adventure Church. And uh, Kelly knocked it out of the park, did he not, last week with his message talking about good news to the poor, good news to the needy. Um, he really, I, I, was, I was really impressed. That was such a powerful message about, you know, it's not just about financial, being poor financially. It's about being needy, which is each and every human being. Every human being is needy, right? Right? Yes? Okay, you guys are there. Okay, cool. Um, so that, that was what we talked about last week. This week... We're going to be talking about comfort for the brokenhearted. This is another one of the reasons that Jesus actually came to earth, to bring good news to the poor and also to comfort the brokenhearted. And we're going to really break that down and we're going to talk about how to receive that comfort, how to receive the wholeness that only Jesus can offer. There are a couple of little things that we can do that can really be transformative and really change your life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And then next week, we're going to be talking about uh, freedom and freedom for the captives. So if you're held captive by anything, make sure you come next week because we're really going to be breaking down what the Bible has to say about liberty, about being set free. Um, I believe that there are three kinds of people. There are people who are broken and they know they're broken and they are they are seeking healing and seeking wholeness and moving forward. Then I think the second kind of people, there are people who are broken and they know they're broken, but they're living in denial. Then the third kind of people are the people who are broken and they don't even know they're broken. So which one are you? Are you broken and you know it? If you're broken and you know it, clap your hands. Okay, good. <laughs> or are you broken and you're trying to pretend like you're not? You know you're broken, but you kind of don't want to let on, or you certainly don't want anyone else to know. Or are you really, to me, the third one is the saddest because you're broken and you don't even think you're broken. You don't even realize the depth of your brokenness. Because really, the Bible says life is hard. You know, in, the, in TV shows and movies, they try to portray that there is such a thing as an idyllic, perfect life, and that they, we can attain that level of happiness and the, the life that has no trials. But that's not reality, is it? That's not really how life works. Life's rough. People hurt us. We make stupid choices, speaking for myself as well. And circumstances hurt us, health issues, financial issues, um, you know, just natural catastrophes, things happen. And as a result, we become fractured. We become broken. We become people who need to be put back together. What this means, this broken, when it says brokenhearted, what it means is the center of who you are. The heart talks about the essence of, of all of your emotions. Uh, maybe some people would, might call it a soul, your soul. Who you are, your emotions, the depth of your being. 
This can tend, as we go about life, to be broken. But we even come out broken. We even come out with issues and with tendencies. Do we not? Even when we're just first born, we all have weaknesses. We all have brokenness. And Jesus says that he came specifically to comfort those who are brokenhearted. And not only to comfort, because that in itself would be amazing, but he's also come to bind up the wounds of those who are broken. And isn't that a, isn't that a precious promise? That, that even though we are broken, he has come to make us whole. He has come to complete us. He's come to put back the pieces and the fragments of our hearts and our souls that are so broken. He has come to offer us hope and to offer us not just hope, but there's some other promises that we're going to get into in a little bit that he's promised that we don't need to settle. And, and I am not a prosperity preacher. How many of you know that? I'm not here to say, if you do everything right, then everything's going to be perfect in your life and you're going to live your best life now. I'm not saying that. I am not saying that. What I am saying is that God is faithful. God is for you, and God is good. Can you say that with me? God is faithful, God is for you, and God is good. And this is what he is promising here in Isaiah 61 with all of these amazing promises that he has. So we're going to be talking about not only the promises. I'm going to have someone come and share a testimony with us of some, some things that the Holy Spirit has revealed to her. And we're also we're going to be talking about how we can receive that wholeness and that comfort from the Holy Spirit. How many of you want that this morning? You want to be whole. You want the fragments of your life to, to be put back together in a healthy way, to set in a healthy way. So we're going to start in Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor he sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives, I love this, will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Isn't that good news? The time of the Lord's favor. How many of you want the favor of the Lord? Remember we talked a few weeks back, we're God's favorites you know, the Hittites, the Israelites, the Girgashites, the Moabites, the favorites. We are the favorites. We are God's favorites. And he wants to pour out on us his blessings and his spirit and his joy and his peace and his forgiveness. And these are all promises that are contained in his word. It says, he sent me to tell those who mourn the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. So he's come to bring good news to the poor, good news to those who are needy, which includes everyone, because we're all needy. We all need salvation. That was the reason Jesus came. When we talk about that at Christmas, Jesus came to save his people from their sins. We are all slaves to sin. That's what the Bible says. You're either slaves to sin or you're a slave to righteousness. There's no in between. There's no gray. Either you're a slave to your sin or you're a slave to God period. I know this sounds really close-minded, and it is. So um, he, cut, he said he came to bring comfort for the brokenhearted and freedom for the captives, which we're going to talk about next week. 
says, to all who mourn in Israel. Now, here are the promises that he, that he gives. He promises that he will give a crown of beauty in the place of ashes. So he will give us a crown of beauty. You know when people wear hats? Hats say a lot about a person, don't they? Like you can see someone with a specific hat on you, you can identify what they do for a living. For example, if someone has on a construction helmet, you can pretty much guess that either they're crazy or they actually work construction. <laughs> or if someone has a cowboy hat on, what do you assume about them? Yeah, they, they probably ride a horse or they want to. What's that? <laughs> or if they have on a, a, a football helmet, you can assume that either they're crazy or they play football, okay? Hats tell us a lot. How about when you see someone with a crown, what do you assume about that person? Royalty. They're special. They're set apart. They're different. And that's what he gives us. We are, if you name the name of Jesus, you are a, a, an offspring, a child of the king of all kings. And he's saying, if you bring me your junk, bring me your garbage, bring me the, the, the ruins, the ashes, what good are ashes, really? Anybody have any idea what good ashes are? Because I don't. I love my fire pit, but at the end, there's just a heap of just ashes which have no value. And that is symbolic of our lives, of the things and the devastation that has happened in our lives. And Jesus is saying, bring me that. Bring me the ashes and I will replace it with a crown. With a crown. With a crown of beauty. That's a nice exchange, isn't it? It's not like when you go to the used car lot and they're like, oh, I'll give you $57 for your car. It's like, Jesus is saying, no, you bring me the what's worthless, and I will give you something of beauty. I will give you something of great value. So that's one thing he promises. He says he gives a crown of beauty for ashes. Some translations say a headdress, which is also symbolic of who that person is and, and, and the head representing uh, that, that personage, who that personality is, what their role is, or what their... their um, just who they are in life. Um, the second thing that he promises, to give us joyous blessing instead of mourning. Some translations say this is the oil of joy or the oil of gladness. What this means is extravagance. That instead of mourning, Jesus wants to give you the fat of joy and overabundance how many of you enjoy eating fat? Okay, there's only three of us? Like, I could literally eat butter by the spoonful. I just love butter. On my toast? Hmm? Anybody with me? Oh, you gluten-free, glutton-free. Um, fat, if you think about this, almost all comfort food has fat as its main source. Last night we went to a restaurant and there was this, uh, this fettuccine alfredo with like, I, you guys are all getting hungry now. Did you have a bagel before you came in? I hope so, otherwise I'm gonna torture you. So we were talking about this fettuccine alfredo with um, 
with uh, scallops and shrimp and all kinds of stuff. And, and I was reading all the ingredients going, oh, this looks so good. And then I was like, 1,500 calories. <laughs> but that's comfort food. Why is comfort food usually attached to fat? I mean, how many, how many of you have broccoli as your comfort food? Anybody? Oh, you too. <laughs> Actually, for me, sugar snap peas are my comfort food. I love sugar snap peas, but I know they have a lot of sugar. But anyway, back to fat. Okay, so the oil, you know, oil was symbolic of extravagance and of wealth and of, of just abundance. And also the Holy Spirit is also representative by the word oil that that's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And so this is what it's saying, instead of your mourning, instead of your devastation, instead of your sorrow and your grief, I want to give you the oil. I want to pour out over you the, the extravagant oil of joy. Yeah? Yes. Woo! Yeah, sign me up. Okay, then the third thing. Festive praise, festive praise instead of despair or instead of woundedness. A garment of praise instead of a faint or a failing spirit. That's what he wants to replace. All of these things God wants to replace with the good things that he has for us. He wants to take our sorrow, take our despair, take our hopelessness, take our, our grief, Take our brokenness, and he wants to give us extravagant blessing. And I'm going sh to share with you the secret of how to attain that later today. I have someone that I want to um, share their testimony. Uh, just a, of a profound thing that has happened in her life. Some of you might recognize her if you have your eyes open during worship. Um, this is Rebecca. <laughs> Rebecca said she would rather sing in public than speak, but um, she has a really, it's a really profound message that I've asked her to share with you. So, Rebecca, you want to talk about your journey a little bit? Good morning, everybody. I guess, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just wanted to share really quickly. So, um, a lot of you know me because I grew up here, and a lot of you have been here for a really long time. Um, but I've heard my whole life about how important God's Word is, and how um, it helps us grow and expand. And I always knew, like, yeah, I'm sure it does. <laughs> but I never really found that out for myself. And I kind of hit a place in my walk with the Lord where I feel like my relationship with God was just based on how I was feeling that day and um, just what my thoughts were of God. And that is a dangerous place to be in because our lies, are, uh, the, the lies in our head sometimes flood our mind. And, you know, it says the heart is deceitful above all things. And so I put a lot of my hope into how I was feeling. And so I decided, okay, I'm just going to get in the Word every day even if nothing comes from it, I'm just going to do it and kind of see what happens. And little by little, God started to show me who he was rather than what I thought of who he was. And he's just blown me away with his goodness because every day I wake up and 
It's almost like we were talking the other day, actually. It's almost like every morning you wake up and you kind of have to start fresh again with God. It's like you have the lies in your head and then you open up the word of God and it's truth. And you can remind yourself, no, my feelings about what I think of myself or he doesn't love me, that's not true. Because his word says that he loves me and his love is never failing. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was actually listening to this song and it says, um, are you waiting on God or is he waiting on you? And that spoke to me and I wanted to share that with you today. Is God waiting on you to take that step and to get into his word? Because you can't fully know God and have a relationship with God unless you're in his word and you're letting it grow you and challenge you and speak to you. So I just wanted to encourage you guys to take that step. And if you don't know where to start, I definitely recommend Psalms because it shows you the character of who God is. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. I think the cool thing about the Psalms, too, is that it's like right smack in the middle of the Bible. So, like, you just open it up, and that's, I think that that's the center of what God uh, wants to speak to us because it is. It talks so much about his character. So, I, I, I was so excited. I, I mean, I've watched Rebecca change. Like, I've been watching her and it's really been truly miraculous. And it's such evidence to me of the power of God's word. And, and I've always believed it ever since I became a Christian because I've seen it so many times over and over and over again. But <clears throat> I, I have to say that one day I, I prayed and said, Lord, I really am committed. I want to know what your word says about you. I want to know what your word says about me. I want, I want to know the truth. I said, so please, if I don't get into the word, can you please give me a lousy day? I am here to tell you God is faithful. <laughs> Seriously, he has been very faithful. And I can tell you that after about a day of not spending time in the presence of God or, or opening up the Bible. And it doesn't have to be this like huge, you know, big, big like study sesh. I mean, it doesn't have to be this long thing. Just open it up and say, Lord, speak something to me. Speak to me today. And you know, we're going through, we have a systematic uh, journal that we're going through as a church right now. If, you, if you're interested in that, we're, we're out of journals, but we're, I think we're going to be ordering some more. But they have two different ones. There's a classic reading, and then there's an express reading, which is much less uh, labor-intensive. If, if, you, if you are interested in understanding what the Bible has to say, and then you journal what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and it's, it's so profound. And to go through it together, all of us, um, is, has been just really cool. Because then you're on the same page with people that you're walking with. But I just want to say, if you know, after like a day of not being in the Word... I can really tell, like I can seriously tell. But after about three days of not being in the Word, you can seriously tell when I haven't been in the Word. And I want to say this. I said this to first service. If I'm ever being crabby or spicy or whatever, and you think that maybe there's a chance that I haven't been in the, in the Bible and haven't been reading the Bible, I welcome you to come and ask me. Say, hey, so you're kind of a little bit cranky. Have you been in the Bible today? It changes 
everything. And I don't even know how to get this point across. It literally changes everything. It doesn't change your circumstances. So I shouldn't say everything. It changes your attitude. It changes your perspective. It changes your level of faith. And this is not, I'm not beating up on you. The Bible says in Romans 8 chapter, or verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. I am telling you this because this is the secret of being changed. This is the secret of beginning to be set free. This is the secret to being comforted in your brokenness. And this is the promise that God has for us. This is why Jesus came. He came to bring us good news, and then he came to comfort us. He came to put us back together. You know, life gives us wounds. We get wounds. Like, we make mistakes. We make bad choices. We do stupid things. That wounds us. Other people do things to us. Other people sin against us. They wound us. Life itself, circumstances wound us, and we have these gaping wounds. And what Jesus has come to do is to clean up that, clean up that wound and bandage it and cover it. You know, the Bible says that he came to cover us. He covers us. And that's one of the things he wants to do. And I know that there are those of you today and you're you're so sick of it. You're so sick of your circumstances. You're so sick of feeling this way, of being in this trial. And I just want to say there is hope. But the second secret to really receiving the comfort of the Lord and the, and the wholeness and the healing is through perseverance. You know, I love the lyrics of that song, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, never stop working. Right? Even when we don't see it. You know, it, it, he uses, the, he uses uh, agriculture a lot in, in the Bible when he talks about planting seeds. You know, when you plant a seed, you plant it in the faith and the hope that something's going to spring up from that seed. But you don't watch it happen. God brings the increase. God is the one who brings the growth. And so when we plant the seeds of his word in our lives, you know, there have been so many times where, where, where I'll read something and it's in preparation for what I'm about to go through. It's not like God's this, like, practical jokery setting me up, oh, make her read that one, because then I'm going to make this happen. It's not that. <laughs> it's that God is preparing you for the trial that he knows you're going to go through. And it says, and I quote this a lot, in Hebrews 12, which is the discipline chapter, it says, endure hardship as discipline, because the Lord is doing something. It says, and no discipline is pleasant at the time, but painful. But later on, it will produce a harvest of righteousness, of right thinking, of right living, and peace if you allow it to train you, if you are, if you are trained by it, rather than running away from it. And that's the thing, to admit our brokenness before our creator, to admit to say, Lord, I am broken, and I'm bringing my brokenness to you. 
And I believe that you want to bind up my wounds. I believe that you want to set me free. I believe you want to put me back together. That's his promise. That's why he came. That is why Jesus came. So there's three ways. Oh, I want to say one other thing. So the first thing is that he came to bring us good news to give us the hope that we could be forgiven for our sins. This is what the gospel is. Gospel means good news. The good news is that you and I, we are all sinners. We have all fallen short of God's glory. We have all sinned, every single one of us. And that's, that's the fact. Every single human being. It says all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. However, Jesus came to earth and lived a perfect and sinless life and died a brutal death on the cross so that we could be forgiven, so that we could live forever, so that we could be comforted and put back together and made whole and set free. And that is the good news. And this is the thing. It's all because of grace. It says it is by grace you have been saved through faith. The only requirement that we have is to just believe it to believe it and to admit it. Say, Lord, I know that I'm broken. I know that I'm a sinner and I know I can't save myself. That's the good news. That's the gospel. And then he says he wants to put us back together and make us whole, make us complete, make us holy. That's what holy means. Set apart, put back together. And then he wants to deliver us and set us free so that we can in turn go and Speak hope to others. Because I can admit that I am broken, but I am way less broken than I used to be. I was so absolutely broken. And most of my suffering, when I first became a Christian, most of my suffering was a result of my own choices and my own sin and my own failures and the sins that others had done to me. Most of my suffering was a result of that. But then the longer I walk with the Lord, the more my suffering becomes for others and feeling a burden for others and being able to walk with others and carry their burden, like the Bible says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But we are, once we're put back together, it's not just so we can, again, live your best life now. It's not about that. It's about going back and saying, hey, I see you're wounded. Can I help you up? Can I walk with you? Can I show you how you can be put back together? Can I introduce you to the one who wants to deliver you? Such a pitiful... That's how we are. That's how we are. I want to say this, and, and I hope I don't... Well, if I cross the line, please forgive me. I'll just ask for forgiveness in advance. Uh, some of you are married to your first ministry. God called you to marry a very broken person. Some of you did it accidentally. Some of you didn't know it. Or some of you did it in rebellion. God tried to stop you and you still married them anyway. Some of you married someone and neither one of you knew God. And You know, there are different circumstances, but I do believe that that there are some people, and God 
as you marry someone who's very, very broken. Because we come before God and we say, Lord, I want to be used by you. I want to be used for your glory. And then you're like, wow, I'm married to such a jerk. He's keeping me from glorifying God. I, I want you to consider this. Some of you, you are married to someone who's very, very broken because Jesus wants to use you to bind up their wounds. And you're like, I didn't sign up for that. Nope, you didn't. <laughs> but that's still what he wants to do through you. I was married to a very broken man. And he was married to a very broken woman. It was like his bondage said, hey, you want to play with my bondage? And I, you know, it was like, it was just bad. <laughs> we were a mess. We were a mess. But you know, I, I went before the Lord last night and just repented. Because I didn't take advantage of every opportunity that I had to minister life and comfort and grace and hope to my husband because I was so concerned about my own rights. I know I'm making myself look really bad here. <laughs> but I just want to encourage you while there's still time, if you're married to a broken, broken person, I am not advocating staying in a relationship if they are physically abusing you, okay? Or if they're sexually abusing your children or anything like that. But I am saying, if you are married to someone who's broken, embrace it as your ministry. And make them your first ministry. Roll out of bed, first thing, get on your knees and start to pray for blessings on your spouse. Because God never blesses apart from obedience. So he'll take care of the discipline part. You don't need to discipline your spouse. You're not called to discipline your spouse. They're not your child but pray for blessings and watch the Holy Spirit move and change them as you make them your ministry. And for those of you who are single, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to exclude you, but maybe for the future you can keep this tucked away. God wants to use us to see wholeness come to other people. He wants to bring good news to us in our neediness. Then he wants to comfort us and make us whole and patch up our brokenness. And then he wants to offer hope to other people through us so that we can stand up here and say, I was broken beyond recognition and God has set me free. God has delivered me. God has healed my brokenness. Amen? I can offer you that hope. But you have to persevere. And we hate persevering. Americans hate persevering. I want my fast food now. I want Amazon Prime overnight. <laughs> right? That's who we are. I want my deliverance now. And Jesus is saying, perseverance must complete its work so you can be made mature and complete and not lacking anything. Because if, if the process is rushed, it's not going to show you how desperate you are for God. And that's what he's wanting to do in you. Perseverance has to finish what it starts. So persevere, even when I don't see it, you're working, right? Yeah, 
even when I don't feel it, you're working. He's at work in you. He's planted some seeds in several of you. And you don't see anything. You don't see any growth. You don't see any hope. And you're just like, I'm so sick of this. (laughs) And he's saying, persevere. Trust me. Trust me. I am working in you. I am disciplining you so that you can produce a harvest, a harvest of righteousness and peace. Be trained by it right now. Don't be all mad at God because he won't deliver you from your trial. He's at work in you. Let him. I told first service, if, if God's doing open heart surgery on your broken heart, lay still on that operating table. Don't get, don't, stop it. Don't do that. Let the surgeon take out the tumors or whatever he's doing, patching you up, whatever he's doing. Lie still on that table. Let him finish his work. Amen.